this little stand down front here because I don't know, I don't prefer being up here. Uh, before we get started here, let's let's pray. Lord, we're, uh, we're so grateful to come into your presence here today, God. We're thankful that we can feel your presence in this place, Lord. And we need to feel your presence in this place, God. Lord, I just surrender my voice to you in this time. We surrender this time to you, Lord. All this is for you, Jesus. Lord, do what you wish in this place today, God. Pour out your spirit on us today, God. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. The title of my message today is, is Warring in Worship. Uh, there's one thing that the Holy Spirit has been working on refining in me this past year. Uh, it has been my understanding of and my practicing of worship. Uh, he has completely changed my heart towards worship and my uh, my understanding of why we do what we do in, in worship. If you would have asked me a year ago uh, why we worship, what is worship, I would have probably said that it is an expression of our love for Jesus. And if you ask me today what I believe worship is and why we worship, I would tell you that Worship is an expression of Jesus' love for us. I'm going to explain a little bit of what I mean mean by that. Um, You know, if you look all through Scripture, from the beginning of creation, God has had one goal in mind for us, one, one desire in mind for us, one desire for His people, and that's for His people to be close to Him. From the moment he created Adam and Eve, he created them to walk in the garden with him. He took walks with him. He hung out with them. Even after Adam and Eve's downfall, even after their sin, he still went after Moses and he had Moses build a tabernacle in the middle of the camp of Israel so that he could be close to his people, so that his people could be close to him. He had Solomon build him a temple In Jerusalem, the capital of Israel, the center of Israel, so that his people could be close to him. And after we failed time and time again to recognize that God desires for us just to be close to him, he sent Jesus. And talk about a a, a revelation of, of nearness Jesus, God himself, step out of glory to come down to earth to be close to us. And didn't leave earth until his mission was complete. He gave us the perfect example of not only what God desires, how close God desires to be to us, but also he gave us the perfect example of how to live a life here in our life on earth close to the Father. He's a perfect example of that. 
And when his mission was complete, he died on a cross. And as he died on the cross, the veil that separated his presence from his people was torn in half, completely in half from the top to the bottom, because God desires to be close to us. And as if that wasn't enough, he sent his Holy Spirit to remind us every day that God desires to be close to us. He desires to be, for us to be near to him. It's the only desire of his heart. The only desire of God's heart for you is that you would be close to him. That's it. Damon Thompson says that proximity fixes everything. And I believe that is very true because I've experienced that to be very true. Proximity to God fixes everything. Because his only desire is for us to be close. And he knows that if proximity fixes everything, then once we come close, then everything else will take care of itself. And I know there's probably a lot of people in here that, that, that think, um, you know, I, I would love to come close to God. I see people worshiping, and I see them engaging in worship. And worship is our avenue into the heart of God. It's our avenue into God's presence is worship. And people might say, well, I, I know, I see that, and I want that, but there's some things in my life that I have to fix. I, I'm, I'm broken. I'm dealing with struggle. And, and, and proximity fixes everything. God, his only desire is if you would come close, then he would handle the rest. The rest would, would, would wrap itself up in your nearness to Jesus. And if there's, I, I could, I could really, I could end my message right there because there's nothing that I want you to get out of this more so than just the fact that God wants you to be near to Him. He's, his desire for you is to be close to Him. And if you're struggling with addiction, if you're struggling with pain, if you're struggling with a broken marriage, if you're struggling with uh, whatever it is, loss, Whatever you're struggling with, God's desire is to be close to you. And he will work everything else out in your closeness. I, uh, I was talking to uh, a friend of mine. A, a friend of mine, he, he's a youth pastor in the state of Washington. And in early November of 2019, I was on the phone with him. And uh, we were just talking about you know, some of the techniques that we use or the things that we do with our youth groups. Uh, we were talking about some of the ways that God has been so good to us. And we've also, we also were just talking about some of the struggles that we have. And before we uh, got off the phone, he said, you know, how can I be praying for you and, and your, your group? And I said, you know, one of the biggest struggles that I have is that I feel like we have a lot of really good kids. And they are living in the fullness of the religion of Christianity. And I want them to live in the fullness of the love of Jesus. And I don't know how to get them from one to the other. And I've lived in both the fullness of the religion of Christianity. Actually, when I was these teenagers' age, I lived in the fullness of the, the religion of Christianity. And, and what that means is I... Uh, I followed all the rules, or at least a large part, portion of the rules. And I went to church whenever there was church. And I did all of this in hopes that someday I would be able to go to heaven. And that is such an unsatisfying way to live. 
And now I live in the fullness of the love of Jesus without the expectation of, of, of fitting some mold of Christianity. I just live in the fullness of the love of Jesus. And the fullness of the, the, the fullness of the religion of Christianity feels a lot like chains. And the fullness of the love of Jesus feels a lot like freedom. And my desire for the teenagers is that they would experience the fullness of the love of Jesus and they would be able to separate themselves from the fullness of the religion of Christianity. If proximity fixes everything, I knew that if only I had a way to get them close to Jesus, then they wouldn't care about the other stuff. The other stuff would handle themselves. They would naturally become better people because the the close, your closeness to the Father fixes everything. Proximity changes everything. And what's funny is I, I had that conversation with him in early November, and then in late November, uh, I believe that the Holy Spirit began to answer that question of how do I get them from one, one to the other? How do I get them from the fullness of the religion of Christianity, the fullness of the love of Jesus, the Holy Spirit started to answer that question through the Belonging Conference. I remember I was sitting on my uh, chair. I had just put my son to bed, and Vicky was live, uh, Facebook living the very last segment of this Belonging Conference, the last worship, worship session. And I'd seen these girls be free in worship. Uh, like I'd not ever seen them be free in worship before. And I just, I just sat on my chair and I cried. And uh, after that, we've seen uh, little glimpses of God's goodness in worship. And, and we've seen th- this passion and this hunger inside of them for them to worship. And obviously, I don't know how to replicate that. So we just tried our best. And uh, then in late December, I was laying in bed one night. I couldn't sleep. And God is just, the Holy Spirit is just pouring this revelation into me um, about worship. And, and he was essentially, what he was telling me was that he desires to bring this new wave of explosive worship out of our body. And that we had to be prepared in a way. We had to be willing to prune and and... And we had to be willing to uh, prepare ourselves to receive this new wine that God was going to bring to us. And actually, I preached the message at the very beginning of this year called New Wine. And it was based on this revelation that, that God had given me that uh, he desired to bring this explosive worship out of this body. And I've never experienced a fulfillment of prophecy as loud and in your face as we experienced in early February of this year when we spent a weekend at a youth conference and the Holy Spirit poured his spirit out on these young people in the form of explosive worship, freeing worship. And then we spent the next couple months diving into just worship. We... Uh, 
we would rather than our Wednesdays would normally be structured as we would come up, come in up there, we would uh, have a little discussion, then we would go down and play games, and then we ended up just starting off with just intimate worship time. We would just turn worship music on, and we would encourage each of them to find their own space and to find their own intimacy with Jesus, and they would do that, and they were hungry for it. And, it, and, it, and we thought we would do that to start, maybe play a few songs, and then most of the time, well, every time, it would end up that we would spend the first hour and 15 minutes in just intimate worship, personal worship. And then we would spend the next 15 minutes in some really short discussion. And it was exactly how God wanted it to be. It was exactly what the Holy Spirit needed from us. I would even say that uh, that uh, we had this this um, game night I had planned for it was in April it was right before COVID really shut things down and I had we had planned this game night and we showed up here for game night and about halfway through this game night we're playing games in the gym and stuff a few of the young people would come up and said hey can we just go put on some music upstairs and we just want to spend some time in worship and I said sure. That's fine, and that's awesome if that's what you want to do. So I let them go, and they went upstairs, and, and probably within 10 or 15 minutes, every single one of the probably 30 teenagers that were there were upstairs in worship. The gym was empty. We had food, and the kitchen was empty. They didn't care about any of that stuff. They just wanted to worship. And then, and then COVID happened. And after we had all of this, this, all of this crazy explosion of worship and all of this growth in worship, we essentially got shut down. And, and God did some stuff through all that. He did some stuff. And he, in the past five months of this year, God has, has done some amazing things. He has had victory in some lives. We've seen salvations, uh, and, and we've seen uh, healings, and we've seen we Rex is here today. We see healings, and we see salvations, and we see uh, miracles worked out. But I would be lying if I said that the last five months has been sunshine and rainbows, because as a body, we've dealt with loss, and we've dealt with struggle. The last five months has not been easy. The last few weeks has not been easy. Oh man, I'm going to make it through this year. So, I've realized now that what God was preparing us for Oh, 
Oh, Jesus, help me. What God was preparing us for in the first four months was to be able to withstand the next five. get a drink of water. This helps Bobby when he cries. Give me a hand here. Because the foundation of trusting Jesus, the foundation, unshakable foundation of trusting Jesus is not built on knowledge, it's built on experience. Build on coming into his presence. And that's why the Huff family can come in here and worship days after losing a child. Because they've spent time in God's presence. Because they have an unshakable foundation of God's goodness. An unshakable foundation of God's faithfulness. And a tidal wave of adversity and pain cannot shake God's goodness to them. I'll tell you this, you will never in your entire life have to fight for God to be good. He will always be good. You'll never have to fight for him to be good. But you might have to fight to see it. And so if you have to fight to see it, follow the lead of that family and fight. Worship isn't a gift from us to God. It's a gift from God to us. You don't don't come into the presence of God. You don't come into the presence of redemption in his physical self and not, not feel redeemed. You don't come into the presence of healing himself and not experience healing. Jesus died so that we could come near to him, knowing that we were going to darn well need to come near to him. Worship isn't this feel-good thing where when you feel really good, you come and you dance, or you come and you raise your hands because God has been really, really, uh, really good and everything is going really good in your life. That's not how worship is intended to work. Worship is intended to work so that when we don't feel like it and we don't see God's goodness, that we get to come in and we get to dance and we get to raise our hands and we get to lay on our face or whatever you have to do in order until you feel his goodness because he desires for us to come close to him. His only desire is for us to come close to him. He invites us in close in the middle of our pain and our hurt, in the middle of our our suffering. He desires for us to come close to him. Come into his heart. He invites us into his heart.
I'm, I'm reminded in, in these times of, of struggle and these times of, of hardship, these times of loss, I'm reminded as we come into this place that God does not need our worship. God is not some egomaniac that's, that's up in heaven and as we sing songs to him, it puffs his chest up and makes him more powerful. It doesn't work like that. He doesn't need our worship. He darn well doesn't need me to sing some song to him. All right? Because I promise I can't sing. He doesn't need any of that. He doesn't need me to, to dance. He doesn't need us to dance. None of that makes him any more or any less good. None of it makes him any more or less loving. None of it makes him any more or less powerful. We worship because we need it. Because our spirit, because our mind, and because our physical body needs to know that God is good. And he's invited us in close so that when, when things get crazy and Satan fills your life with smoke, that you can press your face against Jesus' face in worship and you can see his goodness. You can come so close to him that you won't be able to see anything else but Jesus. You won't be able to see anything else but his love, anything else but his goodness. Because there's times in our lives where, where we need to press our face to Jesus and we need to know that he is good. There's times of suffering and times of loss where, where, where our only hope is to come close to Jesus. It's our only hope. In Revelation, John, uh, he experiences the throne room of heaven. God takes him up into the throne room of heaven. And in the throne room of heaven, uh, John explains in, in, in Revelation that, that the angels circle the throne and they sing all day, all night, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And I, and I ask you this question, who is more blessed in that situation? Is it Jesus because the angels sing him a song, or is it because the angels, because they get to behold Jesus the Christ? And the answer is, it's the angels. It's us who are blessed by worship. Worship is a gift to us, and it's not a gift to him. Oh, man. I'm going to read this, uh, almost a full chapter in 2 Chronicles, chapter 20. This is, uh, I'm just going to start in verse 1 here, and I'm going to read probably all the way through verse, uh, at least 25. And this is what it says, After this, the Moabites, the Ammonites, together with some of the Meonites, came to fight against Jehoshaphat. People came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast number from beyond the Dead Sea and from Edom has come to fight against you. They are already in Hazazan Tamar. Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he resolved to seek the Lord. Then he proclaimed a fast for all Judah who gathered to seek the Lord. They came from all the cities of Judah to seek him. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem, in the Lord's temple before the new courtyard. He said, Yahweh, our, 
the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? Power and might are in your hand, and no one can stand against you. Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel, and who gave it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in the land and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name. And you have said, if disaster comes on us, sword or judgment or famine, we will stand before you in this temple for your name is in this temple. We will cry out to you because of our distress and you will hear and deliver. Now here are the Ammonites, Moabites, the inhabitants of Mount Seir. You did not let Israel invade them when Israel came out of the land of Egypt, but Israel turned away from them and did not destroy them. Look how they repay us by coming to drive us out of your possession that you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we are powerless before this vast number that comes to fight against us. We do not know what to do, but we look to you. All Judah was standing before the Lord with their infants, their wives, their chil- and their children. In the middle of the congregation, the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehazel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jehiel, son of Mataniah, a Levite from Asaph's descendants. And he said, listen carefully, all Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. In the King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast number, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go down against them. You will see them coming up the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the valley facing the wilderness of Jeril. You do not have to fight this battle. Position yourselves, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. He is with you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged tomorrow. Go out and face them, for Yahweh is with you. Then Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground, and all of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord to worship him. Then the Levites, from the sons of the Kohathites and Korahites, stood up to praise the Lord, God of Israel, shouting with a loud voice, in the morning, they got up early and went out into the wilderness of Tekeo. As they were about to go out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in Yahweh your God, and you will be established. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. Then he consulted with the people and anointed some to sing for the Lord and some to praise with the splendor of his holiness. When they went out in front of the armed forces, they kept saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his faithful love endures forever. The moment they began to shout and praises, the Lord set an ambush against the Amorites, Moabites, and the inhabitants of Mount Seir, who came to fight against Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites turned against the inhabitants of Mount Seir and completely annihilated them. And when they had finished with the inhabitants of Seir, they helped destroy each other. When Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked for a large army, but there were only corpses lying on the ground. Nobody had escaped. Then Jehoshaphat and his people went to gather the plunder. They found among them an abundance of goods on the bodies and and valuable items. They stripped them until nobody could carry any more. They were gathering the plunder for three days because there was so much.
Jehoshaphat is, is king of Judah. And he hears that there are three armies that are coming to fight against him. And he's scared. And he's scared because outside of God's intervention, he, it, Judah will be destroyed. This is, this, this is, this is serious. He is facing absolute, in the world dies, absolute and total destruction of him and his entire kingdom and all of their people. They are definitely going to die and their city is definitely going to be destroyed through the world's eyes. And he doesn't know what to do, so he seeks God's face. And he takes a little bit of an unusual approach to this because he heard some young prophet uh, Jehazel, who's actually uh, uh, estimated to be a teenager at this time. So some teenager stands up in the middle of this congregation and says, you're not going to have to fight this battle. God's going to fight this battle for you. And he chooses to believe that that is true. And he takes a little bit unusual technique in his, in his way of fighting, in his way of approaching this. And what he does is he gathers the worship team together and he sends them off in front in front of the warriors to lead the way into the battle where he, where he faced through the world's eyes total destruction led by worshipers who thanked God for his faithfulness the whole way there. Every soldier who was prepared to fight followed God's worship into the battle. And when they came to the top of the mountain to overlook these three armies that were coming to fight against them, all three armies had turned on themselves and killed each other. There was so much, there was so much goodness within that army that it took them three days to collect it all. And they didn't have to lift a finger. All they had to do was worship. If we really do fight against principalities and not against flesh and blood, then our only weapon is worship. And it's the best weapon we could ever have the best weapon we could ever have is the ability to come in close to Jesus when we're facing battles, when we're facing hardship, when we're facing struggle. God has equipped us with the ultimate weapon, which is the ability to come in close and see his goodness. No matter what the chaos around us says, no matter what the circumstances say, no matter what the prognosis is, no matter what you are facing, you have the ability to come in close to God and see His goodness. I hope that, I hope that this message becomes more than just a concept to you. I hope that it, it sinks in deep to your heart and I hope that you recognize that no matter who you are, that, that the Lord's only hope only hope for you, his only desire for you is for you to come close because his only desire is for you. His only desire is you. And he desires for you to come close to him. And I hope that when you see people dancing in worship, I can't tell you how many years of my life I would see that and I would think, they're weird. And now I'm one of those guys, so, shoot. I was never a weird Christian until I started coming here, though. I blame Mark. But if you see me dancing up front here in worship, and you're not dancing, 
if, if worship is an expression of God's love for us, then he just loves me a little bit more. So, I hope, I, I hope that you will, you will wake up every day and recognize that God's only desire for you that day is for you to be close to him. And everything else will work itself out. Everything else will work itself out if you only come close to him. If you only would step into his heart and worship. And it doesn't always mean you have to sing a song. It, sometimes it means you just have to sit in your living room or in your room or in your closet by yourself and, and set your mind, your body, and your spirit only to his goodness. It's easy to express it here in worship when Mark's playing. It's easy. But, but God doesn't desire for us to only experience worship, to only come close to him when we're here. He, he desires for us to come close to him every single day, to set our hearts and our, bo- and our, and our physical bodies and our spirits only on him for a time. And everything else will change. Everything else will care for itself. Healing will come. Breakthrough will come if we would just worship. I'm going to leave you just with this one last thought here today. Something that I've experienced and I've seen in our young people over the past year. And that's this, that that free worship is freeing. That coming in worship and being free and set and, and being willing to set your full self into Jesus, to plunge your full self into his love, is where freedom happens. And you and you can't you can't gain freedom outside of, of being free in Jesus' love. So no matter who you are or where, what background you have or where you've been or what you've done, you have the ability to come and to plunge yourself fully into God's love. There's not a reason that you can't, even if you're a big, tough guy. You can still dance before God. I lift heavy weights on Tuesday, and I dance and wave flags on Wednesday. So, I hope that you'll... I hope that you'll know that this is a message. First of all, this God has been working on this for me for the past year. But this is, this is a message from him, an invitation from him to step in close to him, to step into his heart. And I hope that you'll accept his invitation. Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful that when we don't know how to find your goodness, that we can find it by coming close to you, Lord. That you give us the weapons we need to fight the battles we have. And that weapon is worship, Lord. It's our ability to come in close to you, God. So it's our ability to focus our mind, our spirit, and our body only on you, Lord. Lord, we're thankful that we that not only we have experienced breakthrough, but we are going to experience more breakthrough. We're, we're thankful that you won't let any loss 
or any hardship or any struggle end in anything other than your glory, Lord. And we fully believe in you in that, God. Lord, we know, we believe, and and we set our hearts to the fact that you do not let physical narratives of tragedy become spiritual narratives of tragedy, Lord. You, you will change this to a spiritual narrative of glory, a spiritual narrative of victory, Lord. And we rest fully on you in that, God. Lord, help us to have the courage to make this more than a concept. Help us to have the courage to dive fully into this, fully into you, fully into worship, Lord. Lord, we pray that our worship would be the main event of every day of our life, Lord. The main focus of every day of our life, just to draw in close to you, Lord. We're thankful that even in this time, Lord, that you're healing. That you're healing spiritual brokenness, Lord. You're healing physical bodies, Lord. And Lord, you're, you're delivering us into, into your goodness, Lord. Lord, show us how to come in closer to you, Lord. All we want is to be closer to you, God. Lord, bless us as we go here. Let us leave here the fullness of your goodness and the fullness of your love, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.